the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. When it comes to your investments and retirement, in this economy, it's important to be smart. And with the Smart Investor Hour heard right here on AM 1420 The Answer, you'll get both smart and intelligent information you'll need to help with your investing. So sit back, listen, and learn with your host of the Smart Investor Hour, Tim Hayes of RBC Wealth Management. Good afternoon, everybody. It's a beautiful day out there. Let's just start off thinking about things. History cannot give us a program for the future, but it can give us a fuller understanding of ourselves and of our common humanity so that we can better face the future. I think that's uh, Robert Warren. Uh, and then one of my favorites, uh, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. <laughs> I think uh, that's been turned around quite a bit uh, over the last 15 years. We are not makers of history. We are made of history. I believe that was MLK Jr. And to be ignorant of the past is to forever be a child. That's so uh, there we go. Anyway, uh, you know, I was looking at a few things over the weekend, uh, actually this morning, and um, you know, there was some really interesting things going on, <laughs> uh, and I'm not sure they're they're all good. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about that uh, going forward. You know, it, it's been um, I mean, it's, it's been a tough year, and the reason I bring that up is I was looking at the numbers, and the Dow Jones, this is the second worst year through August, uh, you know, that we've had in uh, since 1952 or something like that. So not a great year. And then it's third worst for the NASDAQ and the S&P 500. So those are things you've got to keep in uh, the back of your mind, and, uh, it, you know, it's, it's not a, a fun scenario to, to uh, think about, but it is something that you have to think about. All right. So, well, anyway, let's get started. Uh, firstly, first of all, on a strategy basis, uh, you know, I was listening to uh, our su- summary this week of, you know, where we are and, and the areas we uh, have been touting and, uh, uh, you know, and, and I'll continue to probably talk about is um, energy has been our top performer. And, you know, we were on this last summer. Uh, so if you listened, uh, you know, we, we talked about buying energy with dividends with most of your money and then, you know, take a couple chances if you wanted to. Uh, and then healthcare. Uh, you know, staples are really expensive right now and healthcare is really cheap. And healthcare has got almost twice the dividend yield of uh, at least the, the pharmaceuticals and the large healthcare stocks of the staples. So that's an area I think you got to pay pretty close attention to because they're, they've been beat up for a pretty long time now. So they're cheap. And then financials. Uh, now, it's not necessarily the banks, it's financials. Um, you know, there's a local company here that's hitting a new high this week. So in the financial area and, uh, you know, so you got to pay attention there. And, and some technology stocks, okay? Now, on the other hand, um, you know, we had some questions about consumer staples being very expensive. To, uh, communication services, uh, which is, you know, the Metas, the Verizons, the AT&Ts, they, they're just ugly charts. And, uh, well, actually, Meta's chart's interesting. The rest of them are ugly charts, I should say. Consumer discretionary, which means retail for the most part. You know, that's where our analysts are most tentative. Oh, and materials, I'm sorry, was the other one. So the other thing, our analysts are generally got a lot, uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot more, a little bit more optimistic in the performance outlooks uh, compared to mid-July, uh, you know, mid-July, we were just coming off a, a maybe a multi-generational low. So uh, there are performance outlooks for communication services, consumer discretionary, consumer staples and material. They all got less negative. Okay. While performances for tech and utilities got slightly more positive. So I don't know if that 
those are the areas I'd probably be looking to looking at. You know, I, I've been I would talk last summer about getting a report. We have a, you know we had another uh, conference about energy and infrastructure, and I, I did my charts three days in a row. Utilities were the, one of the top groups that came out, uh, so that's been a great place to be, and they're not getting beat up. And and for most part, they're up four to five percent this year. So it was a pretty good call. And the other one was oil. You know, we talked about oil last summer at, at nauseum for about three, four months. And what we said was buy the dividend stocks first. And then if you want to gamble, gamble a little bit. You know, that's up to you guys out there, guys and gals, I should say. And, and you know, one of the things I thought was interesting was our analysts do not seem particularly alarmed yet about this buyback and corporate minimum tax provision in the Inflation Reduction Act. So we'll see what happens there. But, uh, you know, uh, last Friday, obviously, we had Mr. Powell, the, the head of the FD, uh, Federal Reserve, I almost said FDA. Sorry about that, folks. You know, people viewed his speech as hawkish. And, you know, I don't know where they've been if that was a surprise to him. But he did it on the Friday before the week before Labor Day, which, you know, I mean, if you're the Fed and you want to cool things down, that's a quick way to do it. And, uh, you know, he he did it in uh, a fashion that, uh, you know, he was very hawkish. But, I mean, that's what you know, uh, Tom Percelli has been saying for a month now. Okay. Uh, so he said not to think of his, uh, you know, comments before that as, as less than hawkish, he was hawkish. And, uh, so I guess the, the question is why the reaction and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see, but, uh, you know, uh, it, the equity sold off, uh, the Jackson hole speech, um, is not really a macro development. I mean, like I said last week, you know, if they want interest rates at 6%, they can do it without any meeting. They can just do it. Okay. So look, we had a lot of negative developments. We got Russia, Ukraine. Now we got China and Taiwan. You know, we got uh, uh, you know a Congress and a president that has spent more money than Paris Hilton at Nordstrom's on an afternoon. You know, uh, it, it's it's a pretty interesting time. But I think it may have been an overreaction. Look, I, I was a little upset that you know. Friday, we sold off. Monday, we couldn't hold a rally. Tuesday, we couldn't hold a rally. Thursday, we couldn't hold a rally. And Friday, we just barely held a rally, and then it sold off. <laughs> so that's not good. Going down 9% in a week is not good. So I think we're going to be testing. I'll, I'll go to that, too. But, you know, the Fed spoke of paying to households and businesses. And this is the focus for investors, I think. And that's what everybody got, you know, worried about. And look, the Fed's desire is to quash inflation. And they don't want, they don't want to flare up. Okay, so it's simple as that. So they implied Fed funds, you know, look, after the meeting, Fed funds were only up five basis, uh, four basis points. That's four one hundredths of a percentage point, just for those people who don't know what a basis point is. Uh, and the University of Michigan uh, Consumer Survey release showed inflation expectations were falling. And one of the things I think is interesting is people are thinking that inflation is going to come down like a feather. <clears throat> but quite frankly, it looks like it's been a big, you know, it's a rock. That's you know falling, and the reason I say that is you know cotton was down like twenty percent in a week, copper's now down thirty nine percent. We have uh, aluminum down forty five, gas down thirty five, you know, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Um, now, if you're a Democrat, you responded uh, to the inflation. You you thought it fell to three point one percent. If you're a Republican, you saw it was still high at six point nine. So that's interesting, but uh, you know. Uh, there we go. So, uh, but once again, all right, let's make this plain. First of all, this is the shortest period of time ever that we were in bull confirmed status in the history of the Dorsey Wright system that I know of. Okay. So we, we were in bull confirmed status for two weeks. I, I think the shortest I've ever seen was like three months, uh, three and a half months almost. So we sold off Big Friday. We didn't manage to bounce Monday. We didn't manage to bounce Tuesday. Uh, Thursday was month end, so everybody dumped. And you know, Friday being the the week before Labor Day, we dumped again. So it's not exactly the greatest thing in the world. All right. Um, and I'm supposed to tell you that if you have a question, you call in here. It's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. That's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. So you know, the Cleveland Fed is is now you know uh, inflation now casting sees plus six percent. Uh, this was 5% just 30 days ago. So it's, you know, 
0.5%. We're looking at 0.06%. I'm sorry. Uh, so, you know, it's a dramatic drop. Um, so we'll see what happens from here on in. But look, one of the things that I think uh, is going to be very important going forward, and this is natural gas fundamentals. Weekly storage injector, injection were neutral this week. Uh, so, but it is at the highest price it's been in August in, in 14 years or 13 years. And I just don't see, uh, you know, it, Russia's cutting off the pipeline. Uh, that's what happened Thursday and Friday. That's why the market turned, turned down. Uh, that's not a positive scenario. Okay. So I think that natural gas is going to go a lot higher than anybody thinks. That's my opinion. So uh, that's a good place to be. Now, you know, there's two ways to play natural gas. You can roll the dice. That's up to you guys out there. You know, if you're do- doing business with me, I'd probably, you know, uh, I have a couple ideas. The other way is to buy some of the gas utilities because they're not going to go down very much and they have nice dividends. So, uh, look, if, if I look beyond the hype, uh, many long-term investors look to the Federal Reserve speech-making for insight, and, and it hasn't been really a great or reliable – it's been a very unreliable guide to future policy moves. So you've got to be careful with what they say. Uh, you know, General uh, Fed Chair Powell, you know, I mean, it was pretty widely anticipated that he was going to take a hawkish tone. I mean, four people talked before him the day before him on TV, on live TV, who were some of his main people who were very hawkish. So, you know, just so you know, long-term projections in the stock market had a pretty poor track record, uh, especially when they're bearish. I'll just leave it at that. Um, but the central banks, you know, what they're trying to do is kill the inflation viewpoint. Okay, part of inflation is is emotions. If you think you can get a higher price, you're going to go for it. Now, if suddenly housing in your neighborhood drops like a brick, you're going to say, hey, maybe I better drop my price. I can't get that high price anymore. You know, in my neighborhood, we had a couple half a million dollar houses sell, and, and now they can't get that price. Okay, so it's, it's starting to work. And I'll just uh, suggest that. Uh, you know, those are the things that you have to pay very close attention to uh, going forward, in, in my opinion. You, you can't, uh, you know, you can't question, quell inflation unless you quell the emotion behind inflation, because that's part of it. Uh, you know, so there we go. One of the things Friday that I thought was very important was on the employment numbers is the participation rate rose. Now, if participation continues to rise. That means there's more supply. When there's more supply, what happens when you finally fill up demand? Price goes down. That's why I've always said when you make a high and then you make a lower high in the stock market, you better be careful because <laughs> supply is coming in at a lower level. So we'll see what happens. But look, this week uh, and next week, I think we're going to have a critical test for the equity markets. And it and started last week. Okay. So short term. Indicators, you know, usually bottom in, in a week or two, but there's no shortage of, of uh, reasons for investors to remain cautious. Uh, you know, we have tighter bank policies, we have weaker expectations for earnings growth, we have, you know, very big geopolitical challenges, and we just shipped a billion dollars to Taiwan, uh, uh, to Taiwan, and and uh, uh, you know, defense products and. I don't think China's going to like that at all. So, um, you know, so there's a lot of things that could go wrong. And, you know, are we going to a war three? I don't know. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> it seems it seems that way. And uh, we'll see what happens. But look, if the if in order for the market to turn around, OK, I, I saw some really good evidence of bottoming in the June, July lows. You know, a retest would develop around the 200-week moving average, which would be very positive. Well, you know, look, it's premature to conclude that we're going to have this successful test. Uh, Our expectation is the equity markets will become oversold in the next week or so, maybe two, three, setting the stage for another trading rally that will be broader 
you know, part, you know, part of the broader bottom in, in the fourth quarter. Okay. So we'll see what happens. Now, one of the things I noticed this week is that the dollar broke a spread triple top. So there's, there's no, boy, the dollar, they just can't, you know, it's just, it's on a, it's on a train track and it's going full blast, you know? So it it's, that's a, that's a problem for us firms because the suddenly their products become too expensive overseas. All right. So, but it, you know, Europe's in a tough spot. South America's in a tough spot. China uh, is in a very tough spot, I think. But look, we just got to make sure we hold the 38 to you know 39.50 area on the S&P 500. If we don't, uh, you know that would be that would be a higher low if we turned up from there, and that'd be extremely positive. But we may go down and test the old low, uh, you know, which would be a problem, uh, a big problem. And if we break that low, all bets are off. Okay, so remember, you heard it here first. If we break to a new low, all bets are off. Now, I I like to be positive, but you remember back in 2007 at the end of the year, I said cash would outperform the stock market, and I said it for the the whole three quarters of a year, and people thought I was nuts. It turned out right, and then we said in March March 6th, I think it was of 2009, we said we have a generational low. So we're not afraid to make bold calls on this show. Um, but I will say this, uh, I am seeing a lot of, you know, three, two, three, four, five year CDs, you know, so you can actually start to, uh, you know, they're great yields, three and a half, three, three and a quarter percent. You know, those are great yields for a short period of time. So, you know, those are something that might be a good place to hide for a while, whatever. But the 10 year yield, uh, you know, is, is right at its downtrend line. So it's testing that downtrend line that it broke after 40 years. So it'll be interesting to see, but the dollar broke out, you know, so it, it's not giving up any ground. Uh, now I looked at it, I looked at them on a momentum basis and they're fairly overbought. We'll see what happens from here, but it's something that you have to be thinking about. You know, the dollar keeps going up. Interest rates are probably going up with it because that's what, you know, that's why they're buying the dollar. Uh, that's how you, you know, when you want to buy the long-term bond and you're overseas, you pay do- you pay for it with dollars, okay? So the dollar's being bid up, and uh, just remember that. Hey, listen, we're going to take a break. This is a Smart Investor Show. If you have any questions, 216-901-0945. And don't forget to go to WHK1420, local podcast now, the Smart Investor Show. You can go directly to my webpage, ask about the dividend growth portfolio, the prime income list. We'll be right back. At RBC Wealth Management, we are proud of our reputation for putting clients' interests first. Our steadfast commitment to helping clients achieve their financial goals includes giving back to the communities we serve. Through supporting youth education, human services, and the arts, we hope to make tomorrow better for everyone. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. My first ride-along was with Jamal. Even before I was hired, they wanted me to see everything from the ground level before moving forward. And it was awesome. The first time I came in, I got to sit in on a meeting and never realized that plumbers have that level of organization and sophistication to their operations. And I say that as a former degreed project manager, as well as an Air Force vet. After getting out of the service, my wife and I moved to Cleveland and I just wasn't happy with the corporate style desk jobs. So I prayed for a sign That next morning, my best friend called me about this radio ad on The Fish for a company he thought would be perfect for me. And he was right. Why it works was a godsend. You have to want to help people. But if you do, this job is fulfilling in ways that the right person won't find anywhere else. If you want that for your life, call us direct and consider it done at whyitworks.com. License number 30185. Wallach a doodle. Dennis Prager sees Trump derangement syndrome everywhere. This is what gives you moral strength? Donald Trump's evil? But he was president four years. What did he do bad? Don't tell me he doesn't like women. Don't tell me he's a liar. Tell me what he did bad. They can't. 
There's a sickness in your soul. There is. The Dennis Prager Show. Weekdays at 1, right before Sebastian Gorka at 3 on AM 1420. The Answer. And Odyssey. Okay, we're back. Uh, if you just tuned in, this is the Smart Investor Show. I'm Tim Hayes. You know, I was looking at some things, and uh, it seems as though, you know, uh, NVIDIA started the correction in the NASDAQ, and they broke down on Thursday or Friday. I can't remember which day. Um, and then rallied up, and, and they're just below you know, on a weekly chart. So it could be what they call an undercut, but we'll see what happens. But the market's been kind of following it. You know, um, NVIDIA had a nice rally. Market had a nice rally. NVIDIA comes back, the market goes back. Uh, But I only saw, you know, two or three uh, industry groups that really had any kind of positive momentum. One of them was definitely oil. uh, And the other was utilities. And then the third one was, I'm starting to see the turn uh, in gold stocks, or uh, but not, it's it's not turned up. It's just stopped going down. So, uh, you know, who knows? But I mean, look, we just went down thirteen percent in a week. It's the second time it's happened in uh, two months. It's not fun to to watch. But you know, everybody's talking about tech, tech, tech. Well, inside tech, I mean, it's Apple and Microsoft and Google. L. That's the only, and Google got beat up a little bit last week, you know, but those are the only three that I see that are making uh, a ton of sense as far as, you know, do I want to stay with them? Do I not want to stay with them type of thing? So, uh, you know, look, we have a litmus test for the market as first support, and it's got a hold here. I, I hope it holds here. And if it does, it's a higher low. That means supply or demand, I'm sorry, is coming in at a higher level. That's extremely important in a bottoming process, okay? Extremely important. So we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, look, we, we came right to technical resistance, which was the 200-week moving average, or 200-day moving average, I'm sorry, and died. And, and everybody expected, you're not going to go through the 200-day moving average the first time, usually, all right? So that's, that's what occurred. In the short term, uh, the market remains down. Simple as that. Uh, you know, the, the bullish percent got to 52 and it got into bull confirmed status. And usually that means you got three or four months of good times, at least three or four months. It was the shortest period of time in the history but where the bullish, per, bullish percent got into bull confirmed status and died in two weeks. So, you know, what I think the Federal Reserve, you know, if you're going to have maximum impact, you do it the Friday before. Or the Labor Day holiday because everybody's on vacation the next week and everybody leaves Friday. Okay, so uh, you know they get two extra days or you know three extra days of vacation time, uh, and they're probably all at the beach. So that's a that's a problem. But I mean they did it right. Let's put it that way. So it, it's premature to conclude the bear market is technically over. Okay, it's that simple. All right, you know, it, and like I said, in secular bull markets, you do have bear markets. 1987 was one, 1990 was another, 1998 was another, and one of the greatest bull markets in history. But the average secular bull market, there's a 2,300% gain. If we just go to 2,000, you're talking about 13,000 to 14,000, 13,500 to 14,000 on the S&P 500, which is a long way from here. So, um, but you know, you, you have to have a higher low. Uh, I think some of the numbers that I saw. In June, at the bottom, we're very, very bottom-like, okay? So will we have a big bottom? I don't know. You know, we had uh, crude oil was 135. I think, you know, it has a great support band at 185, and it held. And now it's uh, near some more important uh, support around 95. So we'll see what happens. But oil stocks are definitely leading the way, okay? Now, we talked about that last year. Some clients didn't say yes, and a lot of clients said no, or some already had them. And if they had, uh, you know, probably the only one that didn't work was uh, British Petroleum. It just, for some reason, they're, they're having more problems. Uh, but I still see three or four uh, that I really, really like in the in the oil area. Um, one's an oil service, by the way. So, and 
I think there's some key levels that are for growth stocks. Uh, you know, the big, the big growth stocks are right where they need to hold. Okay. Um, so now I am seeing something that I really think is important. If you look at the high beta versus the low volatility, you know, so the cyclicals versus the safety trade, there's this big rounded bottom, which we've broken out of and we're testing the support. We're coming back to test the port. Uh, that could be, you know, w- when you come out of a bad, uh, you know, a bad market, it's usually a leadership change. So I think the technology stocks are going to have to go sideways for a while before they go up. Uh, now there'll be a few that do all right, but you know, usually it's a leadership change. So just remember that. And you know, we talked about this four-year cycle, and I think you know the. First quarter of 2003, I think we're going to start to see some really interesting things happen. Very positive. Uh, and, you know, so what we'll do is, you know, probably have some sideways patterns to to move up slowly but surely uh, for the rest of this year and then next year, if I'm right, if we hold. Uh, but and the reason I say that is that, you know, Rob Schleimer, who's our head technician and a very, very good one, by the way, he talks about the monthly quadrant balance oscillator. And it is so oversold still. Let me say it again. It is still oversold still. And it's in a place where there's been, I mean, you know, we bottomed in uh, 1982, 1984, 1997, 1990, uh, 2002, 2008. In, in January and December, because we said the S&P 500 was at the top of the trend line. And if it went up, for, you know, by the way, if it goes below uh, above that, that's called a parabolic move. The NASDAQ did that. That's why I'm thinking that, you know, uh, you know, the problem right now is you can't figure out what the leadership is beso- besides energy and utilities, which are not the greatest, you know, uh, leadership uh, scenarios, by the way. <laughs> You'd like to see healthcare or you know, uh, something beyond that, you know, uh, e- even, you know, chemicals and basic materials and stuff like that. But, we, you know, we got to the bottom end of the trend line and the month monthly momentum, as we talked for most of the last six months, was very overbought. And now it's getting to the oversold range, but it hasn't turned up yet. Okay. Uh, so we, what we have to do is we have to hold that, that 3636 area. Uh, going forward, or we're going to, you know, we got some problems on our hands. Okay. That would be a new low. That would be bad stuff. However, if we hold that and demand comes in at a higher level, that's extremely positive. Okay. So it's the NASDAQ that really hyperextended. Now it didn't hyperextend half as much as it did back in 2008, uh, uh, 1998, 1999 and 2000. So, uh, I think that we'll come back to that, but they'll have a period of time where they go sideways. Um, because one of the things is the NASDAQ relative to the S&P 500, if I, you know, I always look at uh, relative performance. It's a sideways movement at this point. So uh, sideways to down. So, it, you know, it's not picking up steam is what I'm trying to tell you. Now, the Russell 2000, the small caps, this is where Lori Calvacina, our head strategist, thinks that there's great opportunity because they've held right at support a couple times and they turned up against the S&P 500 and it looks like they're turning up again. That would be a double bottom. I think that would be very, very positive. All right. So uh, that is if we hold, because the problem with small cap stocks is they, you know, they don't get much attention in times like this, uh, but they will when people come back uh, if they think it's the way to go. So um, it, it's kind of tough. Now, everybody, I've been having a lot of questions. You know, Bert called me uh, on Friday. Uh, Scott called me. Uh, see Andy. Fred. Uh, these guys all called asking me about what about foreign stocks. Well, you know, I look I, I look at foreign stocks two ways: the emerging markets. The emerging markets really remain weak, and as far as relative performance, the S and P five hundred. If you think the S and P five hundred is not doing well, <laughs> its performance is not that great versus uh, the S and P five hundred. So if the S and P five hundred is down fifteen and a half, sixteen percent for the year, uh, it doesn't say much for EEMs. And then, then I look at the Morgan Stanley Corporate Index, which is the larger international stocks, and, and they're still in a downtrend versus the S and P 500 too. So if we look at relative performance, you still want to stay in America, okay? 
Now, if you're frightened, and look, fear and greed run the stock market. And when you're fearful, you should be greedy. And when you're greedy, you should be fearful, okay? But I understand, you know, you got to sleep at night. <laughs> so there's, there's some pretty good CDs out there, you know? I, I mean, I, I think the two- and three-year CDs and, and even the five-year look great, you know? Uh, we have a great, uh, huge, huge um, inventory of CDs. And I've been looking through them, and they're, they're starting to look pretty good if you just want to put the money away for two or three years. It's funny because if you go out 10, your yield's less. Now, the question is, will the yields on the short-term basis drop down if we do go into a recession? That's where they're going to ease if they ease. <laughs> uh, so that's if they ease. Hey, we're going to take a break here. Remember, the number here is 216-901-0945. And uh, we'll be right back. If you have any questions, uh, we're going to talk about the bullish percent soon. comes to managing your retirement, it's easy to get lost. Look to RBC Wealth Management to guide you. Our experienced, knowledgeable financial advisors will build your investment strategy by designing a plan that's tailored to your unique financial needs. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC. Member NYSE, FINRA, SIPC. Visit rbcwealthmanagement.com. If you think dangerous blood clots can't happen to you, think again. Up to 900,000 men, women, and children are affected by blood clots each year, and about 100,000 die from them. Blood clots don't discriminate. You or a loved one could be at risk right now. The good news is, blood clots can be prevented. Knowing the risks and symptoms are key. Major risks for blood clots include a family or personal history of blood clots, a recent hospitalization or surgery, pregnancy and cancer and its treatments. Symptoms of a blood clot in the legs or arms can include pain, swelling and skin that is warm to the touch, red or discolored. Symptoms of blood clots in the lungs include difficulty breathing, chest pain that worsens with a deep breath or a cough, coughing up blood and a faster than normal or irregular heartbeat. Speak with a doctor about your risk for blood clots and seek medical attention if you have any symptoms. On average, one person in the United States dies of a blood clot every six minutes. Don't let that be you or someone you know. Stop the clot. Spread the word. Learn more at stoptheclot.org slash spread the word. Imagine doing one thing that gave you an entirely different perspective about your place in the world. I'm Dinesh D'Souza, inviting you to join me for a 10-day Stand with Israel tour in November of 2022. You'll gain first-hand insight into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. Walk the ancient temple steps and touch the Western Wall. Sail on the Sea of Galilee. Book this tour today. Call 855-565-5519 or book online at StandWithIsraelTour.com. If I had a million dollars, buy you furniture for your house. I may be All right, if I had a million dollars, if I had a I do. <laughs> anyway, the uh, the key is uh, is what you do with it is uh, the important thing. So, uh, look, the, I, I think the um, there was there was something that happened this week that I think is important. There's uh, an indicator that our friends at Dorsey Wright, as you know, they're the providers of the bullish percent for us, which is our main risk guide. And there's there is another thing that they watch fairly closely, and it's the percent positive trend for the S and P five hundred. And so we were up at 68. So 68% of the stocks in the S&P 500 were on positive trends. And it's turned into a column of O's, which, as you know, in this, if you've been listening to the show for any length of time, we go into column of O's. That's when the defensive team comes on the field. It doesn't mean you have to sell everything. It just means you've got to be thinking more defensively than, you, than the offense. Now, the key thing here is, is if we go below 50, because if we go below 50, usually bad things happen. So we'll, we'll keep... Keep that in mind, and uh, everybody, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be keeping you up to date on that going forward. Uh, so, the, the bullish percent as was designed as a risk monitor tool, and all it does is manage, uh, or it it you you take a chart from zero to one hundred, and point and figure charts were the old charts. That's where they had X's and O's. 
kind of the box theory, if you will, that Nicholas uh, Darvis put in the, how I made $2 million in the stock market. So w- what they do is when uh, there's three kind of key levels, there's 30, 50, and 70. So when you get below 30, that's when the market's washed out, okay? That's when nobody wants to talk about the market. Uh, I, you know, my in-laws and, and my uh, cousins and uncles don't invite me for Thanksgiving dinner, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, everybody hates their, their financial guy. Uh, we're kind of there right now. Um, but we, we bounced once and now we're coming back. So it's really, it's excruciating pain. You know, everybody's saying, oh, it's the end of the world. There's nobody bullish. I haven't talked to a bullish person in, in a month. <laughs> Even when the market was going up, they weren't bullish. So that's kind of interesting. But we're at 47.3. We were down 7% last week. Pretty rough week. Uh, the over-the-counter index, which is the smaller stock. Oh, by the way, when you get over 70, I'm sorry, let me step back. When you get over 70, that's when is the red zone. That's when it's too hot to handle. That's where we were last year. That's when I, kept, I said it for four straight months, five straight months, and then we finally broke. And uh, I also said we were at the top of the trend line for the S&P and above the trend line for the NASDAQ. So, uh, you know, uh, we had a lot of cash. That's all we'll say. And, and, and we'll just leave it at that. But the, the small cap stocks got beat up. They were down 4%. They're now at 33%. So remember, it was a 30 is the promised land. So they, they just came from 18, went to, to 40, and now they're back to 33. And we could be heading below 30 again. The world index uh, by the way, they're in a column of O's. The world index is still in a column of X's, but its relative strength to the S&P 500 is not very good. So it's kind of a, it's a weird situation. But uh, they were down 2%. Uh, they're a point, a percentage point away from breaking down to a column of O's. Remember, when you're in a column of O's and, and, you're, and you're above 70 or 80 like we were last year, you know, you want to be more careful, Okay. Now, what happened last year was kind of weird, and some of the stocks went down so fast, and there was no bid. So if you tried to sell them, you know, if you're an institution or you're, you know, uh, even me, you know, I went to go to sell a bunch of stock, and then I wasn't getting what I wasn't getting the bid. You know, I was getting below the bid, and that's not something that we particularly like, but it happens. So uh, now, look, uh, I think what's important here is we still have oil, and oil looks like it's turning up. Natural gas stocks look really good, especially in the utility area. I know two two of those that look really, really dynamite, especially uh, one of them is in the prime income list. So if you'd like that list, you just go to WHK1420, local podcast, down to Smart Investor Show, and it, it takes you directly to my webpage, and you can hit contact me, email me, or just call me. <laughs> it's really easy. But uh, there's one or two of those gas utilities that look really, really good. By the way, most utilities look really, really good. And that's what we talked about last summer, utilities and the energy field. Uh, and, 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 you know, but we have had several conferences where we've hit the cover off the ball. We talked about the software conference back in 2018. Some of those stocks were up three, 400% in the next two years. Uh, then we talk about the Staples contest uh, uh, conference that we had, uh, I think it was August of a year ago or two years ago. And those outperformed, okay? And then we had the oil and, and uh, or the energy and infrastructure, and all those stocks are up this year, every one of them that we highlighted. So that's something to think about. Now, look, I was looking at two two different stocks, uh, and I, you know, I, I looked at both, you know, the semiconductors, one large semiconductor and two two large semiconductors, and they're they've broken their trend line, uh, and then. Several large biotechs broke their trend line. So obviously they don't like those guys anymore. And healthcare took a couple steps back. I got to think that uh, healthcare is going to be a place to be because staples are very expensive at this point. Uh, but energy is still number one in dynamic asset level investing. This is relative strength investing. This is the best sector still. And by the way, some of them pulled back to a really nice area. I've got three or four ideas right now, you know, that if you'd like to know. And consumer non-cyclical, which means staples, but they're expensive. So be careful with those, okay? Uh, be careful when you buy them. You want them to come back to you a little bit. Utilities are number three. So going back a year, <laughs> we talked about in June of last of 2021 about the energy and, you, and infrastructure uh, conference. That's what we're talking about right here. 
Financials are number four. Industrial is number five. Real estate is number six. Technology is no longer favored. Healthcare moved up 25 points, has now moved back 20. So that's not good. Uh, and communication services is dead last. That's the Meta, the AT&T, the Verizon. You know, uh, I, AT&T and Verizon have fallen a little bit because, they, you know, Verizon always said they had the best network, and I'm not sure they do anymore. So that's, you know, so everybody asked me about utilities. That's why I've been talking about the prime income list for like 10 years. Utilities are the, the tortoise and the hare. They're the tortoise. Uh, but sometimes the tortoise wins the race, right? Equal weight in industrials. Industrials, you know, they have that big rounded bottom we talked about, okay? And uh, so that'll be interesting. Consumer discretionary, I would underweight. Communication services, I would underweight right now, too. So, you know, I, I was looking for uh, some country stuff, you know, and China has seen some stained <laughs> near-term relative weakness against most uh, international equity areas. Uh, so uh, everybody's been asking me about China. I'm not a big fan of China. I just don't like the way they do things. Uh, you know, they basically, they're not, they're cheating a little bit, if you will, you know? So, um, you know, it, it's, it, it can be a problem, but anyway, the, the point is, is that, uh, a lot of people keep asking me about it and I think it needs to break out. You got to let it like, uh, you know, I got asked by Marty, I guess it was uh, about K-Web. Uh, which is an ETF. And I, I think K-Web has to break above 34 before you get interested, in my opinion. Okay, So fixed income, you know, the U.S. Treasury yields continue to rise. Uh, it's mostly in the in the two to seven-year period. The 10-year gave us uh, a fifth consecutive buy signal when it broke a double top at 3.15%. And if I look at the, uh, the high-yield spreads, what we call the 10-year spread, which measures the spread between high-yield corporates and U.S. Treasuries, it reversed up on its default chart. Uh, that's another indication of the risk-off posture in the market. So high-yield bonds are not your favorite place to be, is what I'm trying to tell you. But the 10-year 10 10-year 10 yield you know, broke down and now has rallied back up again. So it broke a double top this week. So I think you know the 10-year might be going higher. And it seems to be going higher with the dollar, so they're you know they're buying uh, they're buying the yield, not the 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 actual bond. And you know, uh, crude has been negative for eight or nine weeks, and it turned positive this week, and as did gold. Uh, and copper has been positive, but it doesn't see it can't get traction. So I don't know what that means. But you know, if you look at the dollar versus the ten-year yield, boy, they they're almost the same chart. You know, they're they're tracking along the same way. Uh, now, if you look at the real yields, the U.S. dollar is way above the real yields. So we'll see what happens. That's tips, by the way, you know, for you guys that uh, keep asking me about that. You know, remember, you can only buy $10,000 of tips at a time. So um, so it, it, it's it's an interesting period of time, uh, you know, for anybody who's, uh, well, what's the best way to put this? You know, um, if you're in the markets, the question is, do you run or do you stay? Okay. Now I've got some cash and I will say this is that if, if I'm right, and I've been talking about this secular bull market for some time, this would be the shortest secular bull market in the history, even going back into the 1800s. Uh, you know, they've, they averaged 16 to 18 years. Now there's not a big sample in modern times. There's only been two of them. Both made 2,300% moves. We got a long way to go for that. That's like seventeen thousand on the on the S and P five hundred. But stock indexes have begun to consolidate, uh, you know, because after this little bit of rundown, I've been noticing that you know there there people are starting to a little a little buying coming in on the dips, but they're dips. Okay, we didn't have one solid day last week, so sentiment remains very 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 negative. And, you know, I think that the, the treasuries have broken out. That's not a good sign. You know, you don't want that. They're back to the old June highs. Uh, you know, the 10-year, the dollar index is going crazy. Commodities will likely weaken if the dollar keeps going up. I, I don't see, you know, commodities go, go. you buy commodities in dollars, okay? Uh, so the, the higher the dollar is, the higher the price is for the commodity uh, when you're overseas. So that's not a good sign, you know. 
so we're in a tough spot right now. Okay. You know, the bullish percents in a column of O's, um, you, you're at 40, seven or whatever it is. Or, uh, so you were down seven, eight points last week and it's a long way to 30 might be, it might be a tough, you know, next couple of weeks. Now, the, I guess my question is, uh, you know, where do we go from here? And, uh, you know, a lot of people, um, like I said, are, are extremely negative. But if we do hold here, uh, it, it, things could get interesting. And if you look at the cycle studies right now, the cycle studies show there could be a possible bounce into mid-September. And I, I think, you know, there's a lot of people thinking oil's going into the low 80s and staying there. I'm not absolutely sure about that. I would suggest that, you know, um, you you kind of kind of wait on that one. The equities are doing better than the actual oil itself, and that's because there's a lot of money coming out of the, the hole in the ground in Louisiana. That uh, you know, so we're getting rid of our long-term supply uh, to keep the price down. If that is an election, you know, scenario, I don't know what is. Um, but you know, I think the breath gauges, like the McQuillan oscillator, have hit the lowest level since 2020 again. So we got to be paying attention. Anyway, let's take a break. We'll be right back with Insiders. Stay tuned. This is Smart Investor Show. If you've got a question, 216-901-0945. This is Hugh Hewitt for Town Hall Review. If you're like me, you want more than just facts. You want insight from people you trust. People like Dennis Prager, Larry Elder, Mike Gallagher, and of course me, your host each week on the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt. A weekly roundup of the news. Tune in each week and visit our website at townhallreview.com where we give you what you need in today's fast-changing world. That's townhallreview.com. Saturday and Sunday at 5 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. Bad decisions limit future options. Make bad enough decisions and you'll destroy your life. Listen to The Plotline with your host Rick Hughes every Sunday morning at 6.30 here on AM 1420, The Answer. The Plotline describes a mainline resistance in your soul to build on God's Word. Join us every Sunday for 30 minutes of inspiration, motivation, education, all without manipulation. That's The Plotline with Rick Hughes, heard every Sunday at 6.30 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. WHK Radio.com, and Odyssey.com. Wouldn't it be nice to keep income rolling in even long after you retire? At RBC Wealth Management, we can help you invest for the future that you want and create a personalized plan to help you create the steadfast flow of income you'll need throughout your retirement. Call Tim Hayes at 216-774-8906. RBC Wealth Management, a division of RBC Capital Markets, LLC, member NYSC, FINRA, SIPC. Okay, we're back, and we have someone on hold. I didn't hear the name. <laughs> hello, <coughs> Jen. Oh, hello. Jen. Hi, Jen. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm pretty good, thank you. You know, the, an individual investor, uh, if things look really bad, they can kind of uh, get rid of their stock, or if it looks like it's going down. What about people who invest in a four hundred one k? They have no control except that the money is taken out every payday. And, uh, you know, throwing good money after bad is not a way to uh, finance your uh, retirement. Well, in in a 401k, you can make decisions on a fairly regular basis of where you want to be. They they normally allow you to go in, uh, you know, I was 30% cash in mine. I wish I was 50% cash, but I was 30% cash in mine in December. Uh, so they, they allow me to, to move, you know, from one place to the other and it might cost you a buck or two, but, uh, uh, usually that's the case. Uh, Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly, uh, you know, if in your case, they, they don't let you move. I have a couple of clients that they're only allowed to move. So, you know, every 30 days or 45 days or something like that, but they're still allowed to move. I, mm-hmm. Again, I don't know if that's the case with you or not, but uh, I guess I never, uh, I just never thought, you know, thought too much about it. You know, usually, yeah, call it. Uh, 
yeah, call HR. And, uh, um, you know, I, I have some great asset allocation models, you know, that uh, you can use. You know, they, they use ETFs. And uh, I've, I've got a couple of clients that don't want to be in the market. They just want ETFs, which mm-hmm. is still being in the market. But, uh, you know, I, I believe we were, you know, it's been a tough year because you can't buy bonds either. You know, bonds bonds have been more volatile than the stock market. Mm-hmm. And commodities have been more volatile than both of them. <laughs> now, you mentioned CDs. So, I guess CDs wouldn't qualify for being in a, a part of your 401k plan. And no, I, you, I, have to, you, have, you look at short-term bonds, though. Oh, okay. Okay. And then, yeah, and then, and then I hear so much about go into gold. You know, put gold in your IRA. Well, gold is gold is wonderful right now, but what was it in nineteen ninety and eighty? I I can remember it being like four hundred dollars. Am I right or am I dreaming? Yeah, it's like almost two thousand dollars now. It's sixteen hundred, six seventeen hundred and fifty dollars. So it you know it had a return. The problem with gold is there's no dividend. Okay, it's like any other commodity. There's no dividends. Well, uh, so my, probably, I'm not worried about that. But what what if it would go back to you know you're putting all this money in, and and could it fluctuate to back to where it's been the lowest and then it stays there for years, and uh, uh, there's there's risk in everything. There's you know if you buy CDs, and suddenly you know you're you're paying you're getting paid three and a half percent on your CD, and suddenly the market goes to seven because the Fed raises rates, mm-hmm. you missed out. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's risk well, in everything. Thanks for clarifying just, that. I guess it's uh, yeah. It depends call, on call the, HR and see what they can do. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Bye. All right. Have a great day, Jen. So anyway, we talk about insiders on the show quite a bit, and and oh, if you have a question? Still two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. That's two one six nine zero one zero nine four five. Anyway, we uh, you know we always talk about insiders because they know their business better than we do, right? So what we try to do is we try to match insider buying with good technical stuff, with good fundamentals. Okay, so if we put those three together, we're usually right. Now, here's an interesting one. Uh, Insight Enterprises, you know, we've been talking about this for a while, and Value Act, which is a pretty big activist group, had just gone out and bought a ton more. Remember, they buy them last week, and, uh, you know, they on, on the 25th, they bought $1.7 million worth. Then they bought another 2.7 million on the 30th. On the 31st, they bought another 3.6. And then on the oh, on the 29th, we missed the 29th. They bought 4.2 million, and then they bought 4.3 million on the 26th. So they're they're not, they're serious about this. And then uh, Michelle Adams uh, for SeaWorld. Uh, you know, SeaWorld got beat up a little bit here from 55 down to 51, and she stepped up. I think she's a director, and I can't remember exactly what her her uh, scenario is. But uh, she went out and bought one point nine nine million dollars worth of stock. You like seeing that? And then you know uh, Riley Financial, which is you know in my business, uh, they got beat up a little bit here. They were sixty, now they're fifty. And and uh, Brian Riley, who's the co CEO, went in and bought uh, one point two million dollars worth of stock. And then he bought another $1.2 million with the stock. And then the uh, director, Randy Paulson, bought $1.2 million with stock. So that, that's something you like to see. And here's a couple names that I haven't seen in a while. And this is Woodward, which is an aerospace. They've really got beat up. They were 105. They're now 92. And the the uh, director, Dave Hess, who's a pretty smart guy, if you look him up, uh, he, he bought a million dollars worth. And here's something that's really unusual. Freeport McMoran. There was a gentleman by the name of uh, Ryan Lance, and he just happens to be the CEO of ConocoPhillips. He's a director. He bought a million dollars worth of stock. And then this F4 training, uh, it's uh, FXLV, uh, you know, it's a little $2 stock. Uh, Kennedy Lewis Management continues to buy. They bought another, let's see, 900, 750, and then they bought another 250. So they continue to buy that quite a bit. And here's a couple names that I, I'm seeing on my charts, and uh, I think there's pretty good fundamental stuff going forward. Comscope Holdings, uh, we had a buyer of half a million dollars worth of stock, uh, and he's the president and CEO, so I think he knows a little bit. And uh, so, you know, you like seeing that, uh, especially when the stock is showing up on my charts. And then, you know, once again, 
Franklin Resources, uh, the insiders can actually the company continues to buy that and also the Temple Templeton Global Income Fund. They're buying them every day, basically. And then uh, we have Spock Holdings, <laughs> Mr. Spock Holdings. And we've got one, two, three, four people. Uh, actually, it's Todd Stein was two of the people, and the other, and it was two other people that bought approximately $890,000 worth of stock. Uh, but By the way, I forgot, the, the CFO of, of Comscope also bought $189,000 worth of stock. So you love to see the CFO. You love to see the money man buy stock. All right. Um, we'll leave it at that. And then Jay Farner. And there's a lot of people I know that know him. I think, first of all, he's a really smart guy. and He's a really nice guy on top of it. Uh, he's now the CEO of Rocket Mortgage. And I think he buys every day. He, he buys like 25, 26,000 shares every day. He bought on the 29th, 24,000 shares. And then he bought uh, 20, on the 26 on the 2nd. On the first twenty six, on the thirtieth twenty four five, a twenty four seven. I mean, and then on the thirty first, he bought twenty five two. That equates to about a million dollars with stock. I believe he's been buying a million dollars with stock now for the better part of uh, a month, two months maybe. So something to think about. Uh, now, um, look, I think there's a couple things you know that you have to pay pretty close attention to. We're getting close to a pretty important support area. And then if we break through that, I think we have to, you know, be very, very thoughtful of what we're doing. Okay. We have to start to pay attention here. This is where, you know, we're not at 30 yet. Okay. On the bullish percent. Uh, We got some ways to go. So you want to be cautious. Now, if you're buying yield and they're beating up your favorite yield stock, now might be a time. I would stay away from the staples right at the moment. They're expensive, okay? Now, they may stay expensive for a while. I didn't say sell them, okay? So everybody out there, get it right. I didn't say sell them. I just said uh, I'm not sure I'd buy them. But if I was, if, you know, the best yield play I can see is is in the healthcare area. Uh, but biotechs did kind of break down, and there'll probably be a sideways to down movement probably into the first week of October, I would think. Uh, you know, so I, I'm not seeing anything that makes me want to jump and shout and run all about. Like I said, there's a couple different sectors that I think are interesting. The oil sector has pulled back and now starting to turn up. The gold sector has been negative for a pretty long time, and the momentum is starting to turn a little bit. And then utilities have been showing up uh, in big fashion. Now, the semiconductor stocks, you know, uh, they, they, they're not let, letting NVIDIA sell to China anymore. Um, especially stuff that could, you know, help them uh, in the defense area, uh, which I think they're, they're asking, you know, we're, we're, we're getting close to uh, a, pro- a problem over there. And I, I don't think uh, Nancy Pelosi or any of those people are, are considering that, um, but we'll see. But it, uh, the, the sector has had what they call a hammer pattern, which is uh, usually a short-term bottom. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, the semiconductors are there. So what would I do now? I'd go to WHK1420, go to local podcast down to the Smart Investor Show. I would, I would be looking at the dividend growth portfolio and the prime income list. This is the time when you really want to, when yields are up, you want to buy those stocks. Now, I've said that several times. In the last 10 years that I've been, well, I've been on 15 years, but the last 10 years, and we've been right every time. So um, you want some help with them? Let me know. I manage these portfolios for people, but we try to buy them when they're down, okay? And this is a good time. Uh, I'd stay away from the staples. Obviously, there's a few staples on the list in both cases, but in most cases, there's some pretty good ideas coming here. Uh, now, utilities have been up too, so that's the other area you got to be kind of careful where you buy. Okay, so but if you want to have lunch or you want to have a cup of coffee, uh, give me a call. We'll talk about your for- portfolio, and don't forget, you can do a wealth plan without having to set up an account with us. So you can test the metal, if you will, and it allows you to do go into playground, which says if this happens, what happens to my chance of retirement? It's a great tool. So. If you'd love to, love to sit down and have a cup of coffee and meet me in my office or, you know, a Starbucks or someplace, uh, please let me know. In the meantime, have a great holiday. 
Uh, I'm going to blast them tonight, see Sound of Music. That'll be interesting uh, with about 25,000 other people. <laughs> but in the meantime, uh, have a great weekend. And remember, buy low and sell high. Thanks for listening to the Smart Investor Hour. To reach Tim during the week, call him toll-free, 888-223-7742. The preceding program's views, claims, or representations may not reflect those of AM 1420 The Answer or Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.